good afternoon, my friends. The doctor is in the house. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G. I'm Dr. G, Dr. Mark Gomez, board certified internal medicine physician, practicing at Edward Hospital in Naperville in Bolingbrook, Illinois. Welcome back, everybody. Happy Wednesday. And today's show is going to be really special, partly because I have such a personal connection to my guests today, and I'll tell you a little bit more in a bit. But here we are today on this great Wednesday, and we're concluding my Back to School Health series. And so I launched a series a few weeks ago to talk about really the importance of things that we can do for our kids and our families. Again, health starts early. We want to, we want to promote that success in health leads to success in life. And so each week, week we've been breaking this down and saying, all right, here are the tools that you need as parents, as caregivers, to really have the success and set the foundation for your children to be productive members of society, but to be healthy, to enjoy their lifetimes. So I'm so excited today. So today's title, of course, this is Back to School Health Series Part 3, the final one, Dental and Oral Health Care. Again, my name is Dr. Mark Gomez. Check me out on my website, www drmarkgomez.com. You can check me out on my handles on social media at to your health, Dr. G. So today, I'm so excited about this show because I know my, these individuals very well because they've had a personal part of my health. And when you think about oral and dental health, it's such a foundation for overall healthier body. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but when I was crafting this show, I just knew I had to have these individuals here because they've helped me keep my pearly whites going on because why not but again and, and I like to eat too so like you need teeth uh, unless you get dental implants or something like that but 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 I want my teeth <laughs> so it's such an important thing when it talks about your health and well-being but but dentistry and teeth are so centered just like we talk about different parts of the body each part of the body has a function but it's part of a whole piece and again we want to have success with all aspects of our health so we can enjoy our families and our loved ones. So I'm going to hit you guys with a couple stats, but before I hit some stats, i got to hit you with a disclaimer. The content of To Your Health with Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and that the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Further details can be found at www.toyourhealthwithdrg.com slash disclaimer. So welcome back, everybody, and welcome to the new guests that are out there. So how the show works, each week I gather a group of my experts. We talk about a topic. We have a nice little fun discussion and everything. We want to make sure people have the tools and the resources for success. So we're going to give you guys some information, some tips, and then hopefully the, the tips that you guys get, you can take to your own healthcare provider, and ask those questions and apply them. But again, the purpose of this show is really about building trust and delivering truth. There's a lot of falsehoods out there and misinformation regarding to a lot of aspects of health, and that's why I created the show. I want people to have the right information. Leverage my network, uh, well, leverage me, of course, but leverage my network of, of professionals, clinicians that are experts at their field, at the top of their game, and they have really sage advice out there for you to take care of your health. So what I want to do is I'm going to set the tone a little bit. And I got these stats from the American Dental Association. So even though we're going to talk about kids today and a lot, I want to just make sure those caregivers out there get some information too. So here we go. Children. This is the, from the year 2014. 64.6% of children in the year 2014 visited the dentist every six months. 20.3% only once a year. 4.4% once every two to three years 
and at least more than 10% of the adolescent and children population last saw the dentist more than three years ago. Whoa. Uh, and and as, a, as a medical doctor, I was not aware of this kind of data, and the data maybe be a little bit data because it's 2014, but I'm shocked. But I'm not too shocked because, again, we still have some challenges about access and trying to eliminate some barriers. But again, this is what we're about. For the adults out there, you caregivers that are taking care of your kids and making sure they're healthy. The adults, 52.3% visited the dentist every six months. I know I am one of them. 15.4% uh, once a year, 11% once every two to three years. And, great, and more than 20% of adults last saw their dentist more than three years ago. Just disheartening data. But we're going to talk about solutions. That's what we want to do. So what I want to do is I want to introduce my guests to everybody. And uh, I'm so excited about this panel because I've known them personally. Uh, I've been, even though I'm not violating HIPAA because I've been saying to myself, I'm patient. I've been patient in their practice, but they've really helped out. So I want to introduce my first guest, uh, Dr. Pamela Johnson, uh, DDSMS orthodontist, founder and owner of Johnson Orthodontics. Check her out at www.johnsonworldofsmiles.com. Dr. Johnson, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, please, Dr. Johnson, tell us a little bit more about your training, where did you go to school, um, and how this theme of dental and oral health care pertains to you on a day-to-day -day basis. I did my undergraduate training at Marquette University, a uh, four-year degree in Bachelor of Science, and then I, I, I got my Doctor of Dental Surgery degree at Marquette University as well. And um, after that, I did a general practice residency hospital dentistry program at Rush Press St. Luke's, and then I did a three-year orthodontic residency program at University of Illinois UIC. Excellent. And then tell us a little bit about just how this theme of dental and oral health care pertains to you on, on your day-to-day -day basis. You know, you're in this for a reason to help people. How does that really set home with you? Well, my day is comprised of two different types of, um, of patients. So I see new patient exams, um, and my patients um, come in usually around age seven, and I do screening exams, and so I'm looking for particular things, airway problems, crooked teeth, bad bites, and then the other half of my day is spent um, in the clinic actually cementing expanders, uh, tweaking braces, putting braces on, um, delivering retainers and things like that. So I am fixing bites, diagnosing and correcting bad bites um, all day long in my practice. Thank you, Dr. Johnson, for telling us a little bit. So Dr. Johnson and I go back, I actually walked into her office a number of years ago as an adult, and adults can get braces too. I had braces and Dr. Johnson uh, really helped me out uh, to take care of my overall health and everything. So that's how we connected. So again, I'm all about having connections with the people that I invite on the show because I think not only they're very personal, but they're so professional and so good at what they do. And, and Dr. Johnson's like the best in the business. It's true. I've been there and I can, I can uh, fill out a, another survey and everything, which I did. But, uh, <laughs> but again, but Dr. Johnson has been amazing to me and to my family. I'm so grateful to have you here today. Thank you. My next guest, uh, he and I have known each other for a long time. Oh my gosh, I think I might have been a teenager uh, when we first connected, or if I wasn't a teen teenager, I was definitely maybe early college, freshman or sophomore in college. Uh, I want to welcome to the show Dr. Brian A. Hicks, DDS, PC. He's a dentist, founder and owner of Brian Hicks Dental, www.brianhicksdental.com. Dr. Hicks, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. It's great to be here. Hey, why don't you give, give us a little bit about your background? Where did you do your training, your your, your residency, things like that? Sure, sure. I'm a, I'm a Chicago boy. I've done all my training here in uh, the city of Chicago. 
uh, went to Loyola for my undergraduate degree. It was a bachelor's degree in biology and then transitioned to the University of Illinois uh, in Chicago uh, for my dental, uh, doctorate of dental surgery degree. Um, after that, decided that I uh, needed some more worldly experience, I suppose, so I joined the United States Air Force. And I was a dentist in the Air Force for four years. I was in three years in California, which is just fine, learning how to mountain bike and rock climb and enjoy uh, the mountains and the ocean. And then after that, uh, they transitioned over to South Korea, where I spent a year in uh, just south of Seoul, South Korea, and uh, had a lot of experience there as well. So I've um, been doing dentistry for about 30 years now, and it's hard to believe. Excellent. Uh, and I'm shocked that you just said it's 30 years. I've been doing it for a long time, but yeah. I guess we've all gotten a little bit older, I guess. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about how this theme of dental and oral health care, we're talking about kids, talking about adolescents, um, setting the foundation of, of long longevity with teeth and health. How does this theme of dental and oral health care just generally speak to you? Yeah, so, so oral health is, is a part of what we get excited about every day. Uh, systemic health is critically central to my practice. Uh, we believe that the, the oral cavity is a window to the rest of the body. Um, we spend lots of time just talking with our patients, and you've experienced I that, Dr. Gomez, and uh, um, finding out uh, all kinds of things, everything from simple conversations about what's going on with us on a daily basis, which can help us from an emotional perspective, to identifying signs of diabetes, hypertension, uh, a variety of other things, systemic diseases that are perhaps autoimmune in nature. Uh, so from dentistry, we can learn an awful lot about uh, the rest of the body. So uh, systemic health is, is certainly central to everything that we do on a daily basis, not just fix cavities and uh, make sure your gums are healthy. Thank you, Dr. Hicks. Dr. Hicks and I actually had done some, uh, some volunteer work together. Years, uh, a couple years ago, I was organizing um, a really like a kind of healthcare career fields day, kind of field day for um, adolescents, high school, college kids, and some of the astute middle school kids. But Dr. Hicks has been gracious in his time supporting a mission of awareness and really trying to help promote that next generation of healthcare leaders. And I think it's really noble to give back. And I think even Dr. Johnson would, would, would probably, you know, she can certainly speak volumes of this and what she's doing, just helping out with, with, with just kids in general, special needs kids. And so, so, the, so the experts today have a passion about what they do and they get fulfilled. I mean, sometimes we can all work a job and you might not be fulfilled, but you guys are both fulfilled. So I, I just love it that you guys are here. So what we do each week, I, I'm gonna, now that you guys met the panel, I always ask some questions, of course, because we put them on the hot seat. But again, this is information for people, just information, there you go. Uh, but it's entertainment too. But I want to give people the right information so when you go home, you hear our show, you go home and you talk to your, talk to your children today, talk to your, talk to your even, even adults say about teeth, and then you go see your dentist. You get that foundation. I quoted some of those stats where people just don't go. Kids and adults, we want to create that sense of urgency so we can have good and prosperous health. So the question of the hour, a.k.a. the chief complaint in medicine, because it is a medical show, the chief complaint, uh, the question of the hour that I have from a panel is, how can we best lay down the proper dental and oral health care foundations in our children? So I'm going to ask the first question to, to Dr. Johnson, and we're just going to kind of get right in it. Let's talk about this. What are some of the examples of some barriers that are out there? We just talked about some stats and people maybe not getting to the dentist. Uh, but what are, what's your take on things on what are some of the barriers out there in children uh, to getting adequate dental and oral health care? 
Well, I think there are, are a number of barriers, and one of them might be for special needs patients in particular. There really aren't very many orthodontists that have a lot of experience treating uh, children that have special needs because of oral motor sensory issues, behavior problems, things like that. So that's one barrier in that patient population. But in, in other patients, I think some of the barriers too, although some of the younger kids think that braces are hip and cool, some of the older children think that um, uh, braces may not be quite so cool and they don't want the braces. The parents are forcing them into the office to, to have their teeth straight when they necessarily don't want the, the braces themselves. So um, there's a status um, issue with uh, a barrier to having braces. Some patients, in fact, a lot of patients think that braces hurt. Um, and they don't understand how braces are put on the teeth and, and they have perhaps bad experiences in the general dental office and that carries over to the orthodontist and there's a fear of getting braces on. So we spend a lot of time educating our patients um, as to the process of putting braces on. It's not uncomfortable, it's not painful. Um, there's cool technology now. We don't do impressions anymore. There's uh, very, very, very cool technology where we have scanners and, and other types of um, technology that really make the um, patient um, experience uh, more pleasant. Some of those days, you make me think about some of those days growing up and you get the putty in your mouth right. and, the, and you make the plaster molds and it just, it's just awful. And then that taste gets on your tongue. Right. Uh, but that's great. There's so, so much technology out there. We're going to talk about that uh, in a little bit. Dr. Hicks, I want to get your opinion on, on some of the barriers that are out there that you see as far as even your adolescent populations. Uh, you can even talk about adults too, just some of the barriers that are out there for getting proper dental and oral health care. Sure, sure. So. Oftentimes we would talk about the availability of care. We you know, wonder if there are enough providers to, to care for all the teeth that are out there. And there have been a lot of studies that have been done to find out what is really the core of, of getting to the, the dental practice. And what has been found is that really the number one cause is financial that finding the financial means to be able to take care of your dental needs um, is, is difficult in many, in many uh, groups to, to accomplish. Um, certainly with, with children that can be the case, uh, adolescents and certainly with our seniors as they go on to retirement and perhaps lose dental insurance, it becomes far more challenging for for them. Oftentimes dentistry may be looked at as discretionary with funding and um, unfortunately gingivitis doesn't hurt and small cavities don't hurt. If they did there'd be far more motivation uh, to get things taken care of when it's early but when we're looking at our at our finances, we're looking at our budgets, we're looking at the things that we need to do, um, sometimes there isn't enough. And uh, one of the problems, one of the major problems, uh, probably uh, 90 plus percent of the, the obstacles is financial. Um, so that's, that's the number one barrier. And there are things that we can do about that. And uh, we can chat about that a little bit too. Excellent. Well, well you know, the, the financial thing is, is universal. We're seeing it now in my medical practice, mm -hmm. uh, just some of the costs that are out there. And, and you can understand where families are out there. They've got maybe a couple kids in high school or junior high, both parents working jobs. Um, and, and it's it's tough because you have to say, hey, in this day and age, you're trying to you're trying to survive. You're trying to put food on the table, take care of your kids and everything, and take care of yourself. And sometimes you're right, dentistry gets put on the back burner. We don't want it to be on the back burner because it's so important. Because there's so many health issues that can happen from from poor oral health care, uh, cardiovascular disease, kidney disease, and, and diabetes risk. Uh, a lot of stuff goes on, and, and so we want to 
create that urgency. What about, let me ask you a follow-up question, Dr. Hicks, what about like the communities that don't get it? And, and, and you know, you think about the underserved communities, um, inner city communities, as Dr. Johnson mentioned, the special needs communities. What are some ways that we can try to hopefully overcome some of those barriers? So that, that's an enormous problem. Uh, there, are, there are research studies out there that suggest there are over 50 million hours of school that are missed because of oral health infections or problems. Uh, you think of a child who's trying to attend class and he has oral pain. Um, he can't focus. He may misbehave, act out a little bit because of those problems. Nutrition. Uh, may be difficult to obtain because of oral health problems. So, so it can impact us in many different ways, absolutely, cardiovascularly and diabetes and a variety of others. But our simple day-to-day -day can be impacted by that as well. Um, there are programs that are, that are trying to generate revenues so that the underserved community, uh, our inner cities, can find access to care. Um, you know, community health uh, air, uh, centers are important places. Um, you may be able to find uh, dental access programs where uh, dentists will go to you know, churches or gymnasiums or schools and provide dental care, but it needs to be something that's more consistent. So we talk about expansion of Medicaid, and uh, we talk about the Affordable Care Act and making sure that children actually have insurance so that they can take action to, to make some differences in their oral health. Um, that would be the primary focus. There are, pro there are associations that will provide grants to, to build programs that focus on the, the needed population. So we have steps that are being taken. I would just suggest that they're probably not quite enough yet. And we've got to move the needle some more. Dr. Dr. Johnson, what's from, from your perspective from an orthodontist, you know, kind of these same issues. We know, you know, there are kids out there that, that definitely need braces. You know, I guess Dr. Hicks is saying, obviously, step one, start out with getting established. But, but what are some of the things that you see from just getting people into braces as some of the barriers? Well, I would agree with Dr. Hicks that, that finances are a big issue for people um, that come in for new patient exams and may not start. Um, braces are an expensive item. And so the financial barriers are definitely there for our uh, patient population as well. Um, and, and so we, as, as orthodontists, we also have programs available um, to help serve the, um, you know, maybe the lower income or the underprivileged children as well. But I, I think that there needs, more needs to be done because there's such a need for um, creating um, a healthy bite at a young age so that when the patients then go to the dentist, you know, it's, it's hard to keep crooked teeth clean. And so if we don't straighten the teeth or put an expander in to create extra space so the teeth can grow in straighter, then when they show up at the general dental office, now the dentist has four or five or six cavities to fix because the teeth are crooked and the patient couldn't brush or floss properly. So there's a definite correlation in a lot of the things that, that Brian mentioned earlier we see in our profession as well. What are some of the, uh, I'll see this final question, Dr. Johnson, what are some of the, the challenges you mentioned? Obviously, crooked teeth are uh, obviously certainly more difficult to clean, and, and that can lead to other things. But, but specifically, are there, what other kind of conditions are out there? If somebody's got unresolved crooked teeth, what are they setting themselves up for? Well, so, so there is a, a health link between um, bad bites or crooked teeth and um, cardiac disease. It leads to periodontal disease and um, heart issues, respiratory issues, kidney problems, things like that. 
but also when the jaws um, don't fit together well, we can end up having airway problems and, and also impacted teeth. Um, where the teeth don't actually erupt and they, they become impacted or stuck up in the bone. Um, facial asymmetry. Um, uh, having a, a, a bad smile or crooked teeth really leads in the younger patient population to self-esteem issues. And that is, I think, our one of our bigger challenges. A lot of times you see children um, being teased on the playground, being made fun of because their teeth, um, they cover their mouth, uh, they're very self-conscious of their, of, their, of their teeth. Kids can be cruel at a younger age. Um, also, teeth that are protruded. Um, I've had patients that um, have fallen and tripped and knocked out their two front teeth or broke their two front teeth uh, because they're protruded. So there's so many things that we do as orthodontists to try to um, set up a healthy mouth and a healthy bite um, for the patient. So it's, it's not just for a pretty smile, but there are a lot of functional reasons why we, we straighten teeth and fix bites as well. Uh, Dr. Hicks, uh, Dr. Johnson just mentioned the word periodontal disease. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? What, is, what does that mean? I, mean, I think about gum disease and then, and then periodont uh, you know, gingivitis, periodontitis as well. Can you explain a little bit just on that, like a primer for our audience out there? Sure, sure. Um, so periodontal disease is basically a disease of the supporting structures of the tooth. The bone, there are little ligaments that tie the bone um, and the tooth together and the gum tissues that overlay that bone. I, I often uh, describe the tooth, how it is encased in the bone, um, as a trampoline. So the, the tooth itself is the jumping surface and then the, the frame is the bone and then the little springs that connect the two together are the periodontal ligament space. Um, those are all very important factors in periodontal disease. The, the way that we get periodontal disease most typically is by not being able to access the areas with dental floss and toothpaste and toothbrushes and we allow bacterial plaque to accumulate. Um, that causes a localized inflammation. The inflammation um, can lead to the gum tissues detaching away from the tooth, away from the bone. It creates spaces in between the gum and the tooth. It makes it harder to keep those clean. Eventually those ligaments break more. The bone starts to erode away. And then we have teeth that are highly mobile, um, not for orthodontic purposes, but for disease purposes. And then you have to, some, a lot of times, take those teeth out? Yeah, it's, to the, that extent. Yes, it's the number one cause for adult tooth loss is periodontal disease. So, uh, do we see do we see periodontal disease or gum disease in the in the in the adolescent population, or are they too young? They haven't just lived on Earth long enough. Yeah, oh, you can yeah periodontal disease. Um, oftentimes, it's in the form of gingivitis. Um, one of the yeah yeah one of the uh, unfortunate things about children is they're wonderful at healing and overcoming problems. Um, so some of these things can go on and, and not really raise to, you know, to clinical awareness. Um, but absolutely, children have, have different forms of periodontal disease for certain. When I was a kid growing up in the 80s, I remember, I remember uh, different programs, uh, dentists would come to our school and, and teach all the kids, you know, your mm -hmm. first grade, second grade, teach you how to brush your teeth properly, try to get you to use some tricks on flossing, um, the little plastic, a uh, little filament or whatever that's got a little little dental floss in it, and you just kind of stab it up at your teeth between your between your teeth. Um, do those programs still exist? I mean, are, are, are you know we're talking about moving the needle, and, and it sounds like we got to get more in kind of people's faces. Um, you know, is out there. Have you heard of anything, Dr. Johnson, that's still we, going well, on in the education for for kids? Well, so February is National Children's Dental Health Month. 
through the American Dental Association. So our office, every February, I've been practicing 26 years. So for 26 years, my office goes to all of the local schools in our community, and we do exactly that. We, we teach the kids you know, how to brush, how to floss. We talk about nutrition, um, good dental health, why it's important to brush. But I, I think that the days of um, having um, uh, funded programs through agencies, I think those days are over. And, and so I know we do it. We do it as a, as a community service. Um, we're giving back to our community because our community has supported us for all of these years, and we love doing it. We, we go to maybe eight different um, schools in our community every year. We love it. And how's the response from like the kids when they fabulous? Really do it? They fa they have their hands up in the air asking questions. They they send us thank you cards. Um, it's it's really just it's heartwarming. It's it's a it's a win win. We we really love doing it, and they love having us come. So I got to tell you a story. When I was a uh, I was a uh, I think it was twenty two. I was a first year medical student and did some volunteer work in in Honduras. And actually, one of the things as a, as a as a medical student, we're not really going down there to talk about teeth and oral health are going out there to hopefully help deal with hypertension and diabetes and things like that. But I came, came up with a character. I actually did an education as a, as a soon-to-be medical doctor. Came up with a, a, a character for myself called Capitan Cepillo. And that means Captain Toothbrush in Spanish. Hi. And so I would go to these communities in the middle of Honduras uh, in, in, uh, in um, the town that I was at. And we go to do those kind of things. And as you're telling me your story of you getting out there, it just made me think of that Capitan Cepillo. <laughs> and they kept calling me Captain Toothbrush in Spanish, like the whole time I was down in Honduras. And I go, no, I'm, I'm Mark Gomez. I'm a medical student. I'm going to be uh, I'm student Dr. Gomez. No, your name is Capitan Cepillo. <laughs> and I go, I go, fair enough. Let's uh, talk about diabetes now. Uh, but it was hilarious. The challenge down there in, in Honduras when I was down there was that there wasn't clean water to be able to even do brushing and stuff. So we tried to do your best, but at that time, certainly the water in those communities were very contaminated with parasites and other kind of things, but you try to do the best you can. Right. Sure. Wow. Uh, so let me ask this question to uh, Dr. Hicks. Dr. Hicks, where does nutrition fit? So say I'm like a high school kid, and I'm, you know, I sort of care about my teeth, but maybe don't, but how does nutrition fit in everything when you kind of talk to your patients? Sure. So nutrition is critically important. There are uh, foods that we consider cariogenic or cause tooth decay. And high carbohydrates, uh, they get converted by the bacteria that are naturally in our oral cavity and convert that into acid and then we start to dissolve our tooth structure. So from just a, a dental cavity uh, perspective, nutrition is critically, critically important. So we try to keep kids off of high cariogenic diets, limit the carbohydrates, the sugars, limit the sports drinks, um, limit soda pop. Uh, you can you know, take a, a natural tooth and throw it in a can of Coke and leave it sit there for a few days and pull it out and it's, it's like a, a rubber tooth. It's no longer, it's no longer because the acid is what, what is our biggest issue from a dental decay perspective. So nutrition is critically important from that aspect. Dr. Johnson, what do you see? And you know, you have some, I mean, we, obviously we all want, I thought I was a pretty good patient when I was in your practice. I, I tried to do what I did. Uh, but, but how do you kind of, how do you kind of advise like parents that are out there, even some of the adolescents that are patient of yours to say, it's super important while you're, you know, every day you need to brush and floss while you're wearing these braces. How, how do you, how do you get that message across? Well, so uh, when, when the patients get their braces on, they get a, a kit with a new orthodontic toothbrush and dental floss and floss threaders, 
and they're actually um, given a demonstration by our assistants on how to brush and floss. And then when the kids come back to see us, which is typically every eight weeks, we actually grade them on their brushing and flossing in our nice. office. So we, you know, we give them an A, B, C, or D. Usually, we usually hate to go lower than a C, but <laughs> but we give them a grade and we um, and we chart if if they you know if they need help. Um, brushing and we also recommend that while they're in braces they actually see their general dentist every three months for cleanings instead of once every six months we really recommend they go back at once every three months so we help them along the way um, with uh, dental aids and with with a grading process and referring back to the general dentist more frequently you're really you're really hitting home the point I mean you're really talking about it's education it is it's, it's complete education excellent uh, dr. Hanks, I want to ask you this question I get some stats here you mentioned about things, uh, uh, foods that are cariogenic, and we're talking about some, some of the complications of untreated dental caries. I got some stats here, and I thought this was interesting. Again, as a, as a physician, and I'm looking at some of the literature that's out there for your guys' respective uh, uh, professional bodies, and uh, again, some old data. I apologize everybody out there. This data is a little bit old, but uh, between the year 2011 and 2014. So, for children, untreated dental caries, children ages 5 to 18, about 20% of those kids uh, had untreated dental caries, and I feel like that might be an underestimate of the number. For adults ages between 19 and 64, high number, nearly 30% of adults had untreated dental caries. And then we talk about seniors greater than 65, which I thought was a little bit lower number, but they said about 17% of seniors between the, ages of, between the years 2011 and 2014 with untreated dental caries. Uh, how do you kind of interpret that kind of, that kind of data that that there's still more work to do, be done. Yeah, there's there's still more work to be done for sure. Um, you know, when you have 50% of the population that does not see a dentist on an annual basis, when you have 17 million children that haven't seen a dentist in over a year, um, we're missing opportunities to help them with with their oral health. Um, both in repairing the damage that has been done by the dental decay, by the caries, um, and also finding ways to, to help them stay healthy for years and years and years to come. So um, the objective of our practice is not to keep fixing things, it's to fix it once and be done and never have to fix it again. And that goes to the educational side of it, um, making sure that each one of us is armed with the ability to prevent things from happening in the future, prevent gum disease, prevent dental decay. Um, motivating people to come to a dental office and have their, their caries resolved is, can be a challenge, and there's a number of issues that prevent that, but, uh, but there is work to be done, yes. I want to ask this question then, Dr. Johnson. Uh, I think you certainly, you have an, I was, I was an adult when I was at a practice, I was not a kid, uh, but, but, you know, for busy professionals, you know, the, the parents that are out there, the caregivers, that maybe getting into the market of saying, hey, you know what, I actually want to do something about my bite, my smile, I've had some crooked teeth all my life, I may not have had access to dentistry when I was growing up or orthodontics, now they come back in as adults to see you, but at the same time, they're super busy professionals, how do you kind of... How do you kind of advise them on how to make dental care work, balancing out with their hectic, crazy lifestyles of taking kids to practices and work and all that stuff? So how do you make that work? We actually have a very large patient uh, population in our practice. Forty percent of my patients are adults currently, and we make it work. And, and um, you know, I think part of it is just scheduling appointments appropriately. So we have early morning before work appointments. Um, later evening appointments were open until 7 p.m. on Tuesday nights. 
Um, and there are a lot of like a lot of the new techniques. So, for instance, with braces, uh, there are heat activated wires. We're back to the technology. Um, again, there are heat activated wires that um, um, continue to exert a nice gentle force on the teeth uh, from the heat in the mouth. And so the patients really only need to be seen now once every eight weeks instead of once every four weeks like 15 or 20 years ago. And then now there's also a lot of Invisalign treatment for adults as well. And with Invisalign cases, we typically see our patients once every 10 weeks. And that really helps uh, the adults that have the busy schedules as well. Excellent. And then how do you, I want to ask you a final question, I think about the kids in your population, they might be doing a lot of sports, all these kind of after school activities, and you're still trying to make things work with them to say, hey, you need to take the time to take five minutes of your day or whatever long it is, how do you make that work and try to stress the importance of, of having good maintenance of their teeth while they're in braces? I think it's, um, I think it's just every time they come in, it's, if there are broken brackets, it's educating them again on foods that they need to stay away from. If they have um, swollen gums, gingivitis, um, from bad brushing or not flossing, it's, it's educating them again and demonstrating how to brush and floss better. Um, we spend a lot of time educating our patients in my practice. Excellent. Let me ask you one, one other question here, and, and essentially as we're talking about the kids, you, know, you mentioned at the beginning, um, you, can, you can start orthodontics at a really young age, and I think that's one of the things that people don't know about. Some of the research that uh, I was doing is that you can start as early as age seven. Seven, correct. And, and, and so I think a lot of people, a lot of parents don't know that. Um, right. What, what, what happens at that age? So um, we don't put braces on necessarily on uh, kids that are at, uh, seven years old, but we like to screen, all orthodontists like to screen patients starting at age seven. And we are looking for skeletal problems. We're looking to see if a child has a thumb sucking um, habit that needs to be um, stopped. Um, it, can, it can mold the upper jaw and, and make the upper teeth protrude. Um, we're, we're looking to see if there's crowding. If there's a lot of crowding or there are cross bites, we would put an expander on, which is a skeletal uh, um, appliance that widens the maxilla, widens the bones. So um, sometimes we're, we're doing headgears or we're doing orthopedic appliances to um, realign the jaws at an early age. You need to do that on younger patients versus the older teenagers if we're going to get good results. Excellent. Uh, Dr. Hicks, I want to ask you this question. Um, I'm going to change topics a little bit. Um, cigarette smoke. Can you, can you break it down for us? I know from a medical standpoint, I actually did a show on lung cancer last month. We broke it down. But talk about that in relation to the oral cavity and dental and oral health. Sure. Um, I, I remember an instance when I was back in dental school when a patient came in and I looked at his gum tissue and said, wow, this man is a healthy, healthy person. And then I started to evaluate the gum tissues a little bit more closely and found that he had tremendous periodontal disease. Um, one of the big effects of cigarette smoking is that it significantly decreases the blood supply to our gum tissues, um, which drastically decreases the ability of the gum tissues to respond to, to local insults and irritations. So from simply an oral cavity perspective, um, one of the things that we see most is the impact that it has on the health of the gum tissues from a periodontal perspective. Of course, the other thing that we get concerned about is oral cancers. And uh, we can see uh, a very close relationship between uh, cigarette smoking, alcohol use, and uh, oral cancer. We don't see a lot of oral cancer. It's very, very infrequently. But uh, over the course of my career, I've seen two different cases, and we don't want to see oral cancer. Um, so cigarette smoking is something that uh, if we can discourage our patients, uh, have them 
uh, find different programs to to quit the the process, then we absolutely love to do that. Yeah, I always tell my patients, and from a medical standpoint, if you if you are if you are smoking, stop. If you're thinking about smoking, don't do it. Uh, and, and again, it comes down to kind of the foundational things, you know, things that we want to do. If you're going to set your body up for health, for success, for health success, you got to do the right things. Now, nobody's perfect, uh, but, but as you do the right things, I truly believe the body will pay you back tenfold. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Johnson, you know, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, we're talking about cigarette smoke. Kids used to, I don't know, kids aren't really smoking cigarettes today, but they're vaping a lot. Um, and vaping, for those out there that don't know it, it's, it's the electronic cigarette. Uh, it's simply a mixture of chemicals. Most of the time there's nicotine in it, um, less on the um, carcinogenic or cancer-forming or really, really dangerous pollutants in there, but there's usually still nicotine in there. And so a lot of kids are actually vaping these days. The high school kids are doing it. Um, and, and we actually talked about this on my show a few weeks ago, but... Do we know any, is there any data out there on vaping and like from the, in the dentistry data and, and kids? Have you seen anything, Dr. Johnson, or, or even comment on, on the kids that may be smoking while they're in braces, but are you seeing anything? Well, first of all, my patients are typically um, getting out of braces by the time they're going into high school. So most of my patients are finishing um, with their orthodontic treatment in end of eighth grade, maybe the very beginning of ninth grade. In my private practice, I haven't seen very many of my patients doing that or smoking cigarettes either. Um, so I don't have a large patient population that is that's that I can comment right. on that's experienced. That's have you seen yeah. anything, Dr. Hicks, in uh, some of your adolescent population or high school population? Sure. So I have not seen a lot directly in the practice. What I can tell you is that we're very concerned about it. Um, nicotine is addictive. Nicotine is in the vapors that, that are being inhaled. Um, one thing we don't know a lot about is the carrier of, uh, of the nicotine. So there are a variety of different liquids that are heated to high temperatures that turn into the vapors that are then inhaled. Um, antifreeze is one of them, propylene glycol. Mm -hmm. um, there, are, there are things that are, are involved in the process of vaping that we really don't know a lot about yet. Um, but there is definitely concern. So, um, and if kids are doing it, our worry is that that's just the entry level cigarette smoke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, nicotine is the addictive component, and that's mm -hmm. there. So we would prefer that we not even start, just like you said. And then in your adult population, I know certainly for my adults, uh, and I only really see adults. I have some uh, adolescents in my practice, but mainly 18 and over. But you know, I'm stressing the importance uh, of not only like, hey, cigarettes make your breast smell, you get all this kind of oral health issues, but then think about those more systemic issues that are out there. It's still a barrier though, because I still try to say, you know, it's interesting, you know, people come to see me and they want my opinion on things, so I'm gonna tell you my opinion. I don't wanna come off and say, oh my gosh, they say, oh, Dr. Gomez told me to, he like berated me on quitting smoking, but, but, but you know, I, I consider myself as a consultant to basically Give people, hopefully people have the tools to do to do well with their health. Mm -hmm. uh, the old saying, I used to work for a doc, he used to always say those things where it's like, you know, everybody said it, but you can say, hey, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make the horse drink from it. And, and I think your health is, you know, we want to give all our patients out there, and these doctors are here today, talk about just the tools for success. And I think that's super important to remember when we do things like that. Mm -hmm. I want to ask the next question. I want to change topics a little bit. Uh, so I want to go back to, you know, it's interesting because I, I was in braces as an adult. I actually had braces two times, braces uh, in junior high and then as an adult um, to fix a bite issue. 
Uh, but uh, we always talk about like braces as a rite of passage. Dr. Johnson, is that still the case? It's like it's like it's like you gotta have braces. It's a rite of passage. You're growing up. You're seventh, eighth grade. You get the braces, and there you go. I, I think that, um, yes, I, I, it's kind of like you get your wisdom yeah. teeth out as a rite of passage before you go on to, to college. And so I think that that is sort of a rite of passage. Um, the majority of people could benefit from orthodontic treatment. There are very few people that, that couldn't benefit from some type of orthodontic treatment. Excellent. Thank you for, for and again, you're stressing the importance because of all the things that we're talking about, if, there's, if the teeth aren't aren't healthy, if they're not straight, if they're not clean, it leads to a whole host of things. And I like how, you know, Dr. Hayes was saying earlier about, about bacteria formation. I mean, that's the centerpiece. Inflammation and bacteria is a centerpiece when we think about uh, whole body health challenges with poor oral health and, and things that I might, uh, things that you can get put into risk for. It's literally inflammation of bacteria as it seeds the rest of the body. So, excellent. I want to ask Dr. Hicks this question, and, and I love this kind of thing. Um, one of the things that I talk about in my practice is, is just having an integrative approach. You know, I always say, um, you know, you got your medical doctor, and I do say this honestly. I say to my patients that come in for their physicals, their annual exams, I go, you know, well, first I check when was the last, last time they saw me, if they're new, when was the last time they saw a doctor. The second question I ask, when was the last time you saw your dentist? So I try to give my props to you guys, uh, uh, to my patients in practice, because that's so important. And then I say, when was the last time you had your eyes seen? So I kind of call it the healthy trinity of your medical doctor, your, your dentist, and your eye doctor. Well, let's talk about a little bit of the, the importance of an integrative approach. You know, we're talking about team-based care, uh, patients that need uh, services from different practitioners. What's kind of the role between like the dentist, the oral health professional, and the medical doctor? How, tell me about some of the relationships that you guys have. I know we're talking a little bit off air about some of the some of the relationship with, with your, the primary medical doctor or specialist, but I'll ask, ask you first, uh, Dr. Hicks. I, I think a collaborative approach to overall health, systemic health, is critically important. And um, dentistry has probably been a little bit lower on the totem pole as far as you know, how we're looked at from a medical perspective. Um, I do believe that that's changing a bit. I think that uh, um, a lot of the medical programs now are focusing more on oral health and recognizing that it is a window to the rest of the body. Um, there are many things that I come across on a daily basis, you know, patients complaining of migraine headaches and have been taking medications for migraines for long periods of time. And we talk about bites and we discover that, well, maybe it's not a migraine. So having, having conversations and a, a collaborative approach, um, there certainly is something that dentistry has to offer to, to the, medical, uh, the medical community. If, if I yeah, may please add, go right ahead. I, I, I feel as though the medical profession is also reaching out more towards uh, the, the dental professionals on um, TMJ issues. Oh, uh, yes. Because you okay. guys, I'm sure, see a lot of patients mm -hmm. that have um, pain in front of their ear and they think maybe they have an earache, however, it's a TMJ problem. Um, and also sleep apnea. I think airway now is, is huge. And I know that in dentistry, there are a lot of different techniques and things that are being done in dentistry to try to get patients off of CPAP machines. Yeah. So there's definitely a correlation with the dental community and the medical community for airway, for sure. I'm, I'm so glad that there's, there's those options out there. Certainly, we were talking a little bit before we got on the air about the importance, well, obviously, the importance of sleep apnea, if you have untreated sleep, sleep apnea, it sets you up for a whole bunch of me medical challenges uh, in relation to heart disease, raising the risk for stroke. Uh, um, so there's so many different things that are out there. 
And so this integrative approach is so, so important. And my patients, the biggest complaint of having sleep apnea is um, using that darn CPAP machine. Right. Uh, so it's great to know that you're seeing this as well too, this integrative approach. What other kind of integrative approaches are you seeing, you know, being an orthodontist, uh, what are the other kind of medical specialists you're working with to take care of some issues? Are you, are you working with some of the you know, some doctors, you're working with, uh, what other kind of we, we do, are you working we with? We do work with um, the, ear, no, uh, the ENT specialists, uh, particularly for the patients that have um, a very narrow palate. Um, sometimes just widening the uh, palate with an expander will help open up the airway. But we also evaluate the uh, tonsils and the adenoids. And a lot of times if the tonsils are enlarged, um, it can lead to airway problems and the mandible, uh, what we call high angle cases where the mandible starts to grow more vertical than it should. So then it, it, it creates a bad bite or a malocclusion as well. So we do refer uh, quite a few of our patients to ENT specialists. Excellent. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I want to, uh, before we get into my uh, favorite part of the show that I've been doing lately, the myths versus facts, I want to ask one more question, uh, and it's an important one too because we're talking about prevention. So I want to ask a question about the role of HPV or human papillomavirus that we're seeing uh, uh, in this uh, in our populations, um, human papillomavirus uh, can cause a, a. It's most commonly associated, when you think from a medical standpoint, uh, cervical cancer risk also causes warts in the body. But but when we think about human papillomavirus related oral oral lesions, we're seeing a rise in that. Uh, and some of the state the data that I've seen it says about seventy percent of cancers in the oral pharynx are linked to HPV. So you look at tonsils, soft palate, base of the tongue. What are we doing about that? Uh, I know from a medical standpoint, I'm like, you got to vaccinate like crazy. But Dr. Hicks, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the, we do oral cancer screenings on every patient at every appointment. And from, from our perspective, uh, we look to see the signs and symptoms of, of any kind of oral cancer, and we refer. Um, we, don't, we don't question whether it's something we need to be concerned about or not. We Just refer. Go. Um, we use a lot of photography that we can take digital photography, send it off to specialists, and put it into the hands of people that can make important decisions and, and uh, take immediate uh, immediate action to make sure that it's not a big issue. And, and if ahead, I Dr. may Johnson, yes. also make a comment, we, we do oral screening, uh, oral cancer screenings as well as specialists, and typically years in years past it was mostly the general dentist that did the, uh, the screenings, and um, the rise in the HPV um, situation is it's, it's, it's climbed so high so we are now um, screening all of our teenage patients as well. The problem with the HPV um, virus if there is a lesion is really there aren't any symptoms and so we have to visually see um, that lesion because there aren't symptoms and so I think it's important for all dental professionals whether you're a general dentist or a specialist I think we all need to be screening all of our patients now for HPV. Excellent. The more we do for screening, the mm -hmm. better we're going to have those outcomes. Again, moving the needles. So I want to get into a section that I created a number, a number of shows ago on, my, on, on this program. I like to call it myths versus facts. We're talking about giving people education, the right tools to be successful with their health, and really kind of getting rid of that misinformation that's out there. So here we go. Dental and oral health care myths versus facts. I'm going to ask the panelists, uh, I'm going to say a statement. Uh, and then you're going to tell me myth or fact, and then maybe a sentence or two about why. All right, Dr. Hicks, you get the first one. Here we go, myth versus facts, the dental uh, version. Sugar is the most common cause of cavities. Sure, yes. 
Absolutely. Myth or fact? Uh, it's a fact. It's a fact. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And can you give us a sentence or two about, about that? Yeah, sure. Our, our diets are critically important. Uh, if we eat foods that are highly laden with carbohydrates, the bacteria break it down, turn it into acid, and it dissolves our, it dissolves our teeth. Excellent. Thank you. All right. Dr. Johnson, here we go. Myth versus facts. Okay. This is an orthodontist question for you. All right. I love it. <laughs> here, here we go. Um, my diet will be limited by braces. Myth. Okay, and can you give us a so, why? So a lot of patients come in and they think once they get braces on that they're not going to be able to eat certain foods. It's really, you can, for instance, um, apples. When you have braces on, you can't bite into an apple, but you can certainly cut your apple into slices or wedges and eat your apple that way. Same with a carrot stick. You certainly don't want to bite into a carrot stick, but if you um, cut your or dice your carrots into small pieces, you can certainly um, eat your carrots that way popcorn. Um, it's the seeds that we care about. So when the kids shovel the popcorn into their mouths um, and there are unpopped seeds, that's what pops off the brackets. But if they pick through their popcorn and they're eating the big fluffy pieces, it's okay to have popcorn. Excellent. Dr. Hicks, here we go. Uh, here's a statement. Flossing isn't really necessary anymore. That would be a myth. <laughs> and please tell us why. <laughs> I agree. That's a big fat myth. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. No. Uh, toothbrushes are fabulous, um, but there are places uh, in between teeth that the brushes just simply don't reach. Um, we need to get in between our teeth. We get to uh, get below the gum line in between the teeth. Um, electric toothbrushes have done a lot to help us with that because. To be honest, getting people to floss on a regular basis is an immense challenge. Um, but no, that is absolutely a myth. We need to floss. Thank what you. about the water pick? I have yeah, a good question. Yeah, good question. So the water pick is okay. Um, it is, it's an adjunct, but it's, it's flossing that we need to do. Excellent. Flossing we need to do. Here we go. Myths versus facts. Dr. Johnson, here we go. Here's a statement. Braces must be tight and painful to work. That is a myth. And please tell us why. So as I commented earlier, we have these wonderful heat-activated um, wires now that we use in the office that exert a nice, soft, gentle force. Um, and it's, um, it's so much easier to have braces now than it was 20 years ago. It really isn't um, nearly as uncomfortable as it was 20 years ago or 15 years ago Excellent. because of the technology. Excellent. We'll do two more of these. Dr. Hicks, here we go. This is going to be great. Um, yeah. Chewing sugar-free gum is just as good as brushing. Uh, that would be a myth. What? That's a myth. <laughs> uh, yeah, please, sorry. Please tell us. Uh, please explain. Please explain uh, uh, you know, a couple sentences. Sure. I, I think that that pretty much uh, you know piggybacks with dental flossing. Um, there, there are places that we simply can't get to. Uh, the, the, the chewing gum simply won't remove it. Uh, it increases salivary flow oftentimes, which is great because we have fluoride in our saliva if we're drinking fluoridated water. Uh, but no, it does not take the place of. Thank you. Flossing. And the last myth versus facts. For Dr. Johnson, here we go. Braces will set off metal security detectors. <laughs> I hear that all the time. That is definitely a myth. So that does not happen. Excellent. I, I was going to say, I, I did travel when I was in my braces. I did travel. My wife and I went to uh, I went on vacation a couple times, took the kids. So I did not set off any metal no. detectors no. at the airport. All right, so we've got about five minutes left. And so what I want to do is I kind of want to bring this home. Um, you know, we've been having some great discussion about really setting down the foundation for oral health and how it can be a window to just general health. 
but, but really the importance. It's about education. So what I want to do is I want to ask uh, the panel today to just kind of give us a few take-home points. And we kind of call this the assessment and plan section. Because assessment and plan in, in health is when people, uh, you, see the, you see your patient, and then you kind of wrap things up and tell them their diagnosis and their treatment strategy for the day. So Dr. Hicks, why don't you start us off with just a few take-home points about the importance of dental and oral health care. Sure. Um, it, as you, you commented, Dr. Gomez, there still is a significant degree of dental caries out there. There's a significant degree of people who do not attend dental appointments on a regular basis. Um, I can fix teeth. I can do beautiful work fixing teeth. My dentistry is nowhere near as good as your own natural tooth structure. Uh, taking care of your own mouth is far better than anything in the in the dental health uh, field that uh, that can uh, that we can do. So brushing, flossing on a regular basis, being mindful of what you eat, uh, making sure that uh, we're not having that cariogenic diet, and that's important for us uh, for us systemically too. Starting early, parents, you know, pay attention to your children, spend time with them. It can be fun. Go and brush your teeth together. Make it a family thing. Make it something that uh, uh, that can be enjoyable. But take care of your teeth. Your teeth are better than anything that we can we can replace them with. Excellent, uh, Dr. Johnson. A couple take-home points. Well, uh, I think I'd like the audience to to um, just know that that early orthodontic treatment, whether expanders or braces, um, really sets up a foundation for a better bite. Um, and if you have a better bite, that means there's going to be less uh, wear and tear on your natural tooth structure, which means less restorations uh, in, from the general dental office when you're older, less crowns and, and things like that. Um, but also, I feel like it's important to have um, a nice smile just uh, for self-esteem purposes. There's research that shows that people that have nice smiles get better job opportunities, um, you know, they feel better about themselves. Uh, and so there's a, you know, there's a self-esteem issue, um, and, and also there's that health issue. Having straight teeth um, means you can brush and floss and keep your teeth healthy um, longer, so again, um, we're not ending up with periodontal disease in our general dental office as well. Excellent. And my final points are this. Really, we want you to set up that foundation. We talk again about showing up, uh, showing up in your health, showing up in your life, you know, setting that foundation is super important. So when we think about your teeth and your oral health as a physician, I say that is a foundational way to take the best care of your health. Everything enters through the mouth. Think about the foods we eat. Think about the things that we do. We want to just have fun, but we want to be healthy at the same time. So as your oral health, it's really an indicator of your overall health. And I want to stress that importance. Go see your dentist. If you haven't been, do it. Grab your wife, grab your husband, grab your sister, grab your brother. Go. The, the data is out there. We've got to do a better job, and I want people to feel inspired to live healthy and active lives. I want to thank my guests, of course, today. We've got Dr. Pamela Johnson, owner, founder, orthodontist at Johnson Orthodontics. Check her out, www.johnsonworldofsmiles.com. And we've got my good friend, Dr. Brian Hicks, DDSPC, dentist, founder, and owner of Brian Hicks Dental. Check him out, www.brianhicksdental.com. Next week on the show, we're going to be talking about Food Allergies 101. It's going to be exciting. Again, my name is Dr. G. Check me out, www.drmarkgomez.com. Peace out.